Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. How are you? Welcome to Cloudlandia. Thank you very much. I usually just well, hit on recent I just hit usually hit on recent phone calls. And you're usually there. But I was in London all week and Babs and I were face FaceTiming it all week and so I was looking oh, for nice. your number that I could share. Yeah. You know. Well, how was your whirlwind adventure? Well, it was great. Babs couldn't go. She had she developed what? really bad, you know, sore throat for a couple of days before and she just thought that the overnight flight would not do her any good. No. And uh, no. So anyway, I cut the trip short. I arrived on Monday morning and I flew out on Friday. But we had uh, an all day so we had an all day session. We had a morning workshop for anybody who would want to come, you know, which mostly signature and then there were some ten times people. And and then in the afternoon I did it just for ten times in free zone. Mm-hmm. And, and as a great treat, Evan Ryan and Keegan Caldwell were both in London, and oh, so wow, they nice. came over. They came over for the day, so I spotlighted them. Oh, very nice. We're just we're starting with Keegan. Or we're starting with Evan. We're, our whole company is going to go through a six two hour Zoom program. AI is AI is your teammate, eh? and so that starts in the near future. Those who are above my security clearance will be handling the exact details. And mm-hmm. and then I had Keegan talk about the IP, and that was a treat. And so it went really well. You know, we had about 80 in the morning. They had a scheduled train strike in Britain on oh, Thursday. Wow. So I suspect we probably lost about 40. Mm-hmm. And at least they scheduled it. You know, I hate right. it when somebody strikes without any yeah, advance. Let warning. you know, we're not coming in on Thursday. Yeah. 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 So, and the UK is a train country because it's got very dense population, and of course. they have a lot of. Uh, well, they have the tube. The tube was mm-hmm. fine, but that's more or less inside London. But the outer, you know, when they come yeah. from one of the outer towns or cities, then they take one of the trains. Yeah. And and but I, in the afternoon, I did the whole thing for three hours. On get yeah your best guesses and bets, which ah, is a it's a real wake up call for a lot of people that mm-hmm. said you know the people who are predicting this and predicting that and you know in the world today they're guessing actually they're they're making a guess and they want to do it persuasively so that you'll bet on their guess you know and that is. My definition of marketing. You try mm-hmm. to get other people to bet on your bet on your guess. I like this a lot. Yeah, I wanted and to that's talk part a little the, about that. Because that's a that's part of the from, new book. It's part of the new book. The three rules are: everything's made up, nobody's in charge, life's not fair. And if you put that if you put that together, then there's a whole series of other things that flow out of the. Putting the three rules, everything's made up, nobody's in charge, life's so not nobody's fair. Stopping and you from, nobody's stopping you no. from making stuff up. Right. And every everybody who sees or experiences you're making up something new might mm-hmm. feel that's not fair, and that's not fair yeah. that you're doing that. But you're not yeah. responsible for how you feel, how they feel. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, so amazing. So a very was your how was that message kind of received in in London? What's there what's on their minds? What kind of guessing and betting are they doing? Yeah, well, you know, it we immediately take them into an exercise where they just look at their you know, their life and their career. You know, so what are the best guesses? You didn't it wasn't certain at all. You were just guessing that I might yeah. want to go in this direction. So, but you're basing it on certain signals that you're picking up from the world in which you live. And you say, you know, I think, I think if we did this, we would get a reward for our, and then there are certain other guesses, which are possibilities that you actually bet on, you know, 
And, you know, and we've discussed this before of different things that you and I have mm-hmm. in the past bet on, which has more or less brought us to where we are right now. And I've been reflecting on, you know, going back again over the, I've been identifying them as chapters, you know, periods. Which mm-hmm. I think that there's like distinct, like vector points in about every four years for me, if I go all the way back to 1980, say, and even mm-hmm. true before that. But from 1980, you know, the from 80 to 84, my kind of high school years in 84 to 88 was you really about well, those whole eight years were really all about tennis and the last four in Florida, then, you know, coming back 88 to two chapters in a row, really, of uh, real estate, my my real estate career in that beginning. And I, so just look at how neatly it fits into the things. And there's been some wild card chapters, too, in that I look mm-hmm. at, I think about my mom being diagnosed with Alzheimer's you know, as a wild card chapter that was really four years from diagnosis till she passed. And then I look at, we're in the middle now of 2023, which at the end of this year, the COVID, you know, chapter will have been four years we've been in this chapter. Mm -hmm. I think we're finally, you know, on the tail end of closing that that mm-hmm. chapter, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. And so looking back at those things, it's kind of an interesting, just looking at that rhythm, that there's a lot of the things that there's no way to have seen more than two chapters ahead. What's actually mm-hmm. going to, like, I look at a lot of the things that we're doing right now, we're not even like conceivable back four chapters ago, that it's not, mm-hmm. it's not possible. But I think you can make pretty good guesses and bets in the that four year time frame, you know, with a yeah. Yeah. you can see contextually where things are, are good. But I look at it that, you know, we in the context of the big change, all the things that were happening from nineteen hundred to nineteen fifty, those were sort of, you know, you could see them coming in a way. Mm. They were all just furthering advancements of things that were the seed of them was already in. I mean, you could have predicted once electricity was set in that people are going to go, that's, this is pretty, pretty good. Let's get mm-hmm. this everywhere, you know? And once people, you know, once you crack the code on moving pictures, that's just, and radio, what if we combined moving pictures and the radio and we could send mm-hmm. them through the airwaves, you know? All those things, mm-hmm. the seeds of them were there. And I look at it now and I wonder, you know, looking at it right now on the cusp of where we are, what, uh, you know, it seems much foggier initially to kind of think out 25 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing seems too outland now when you start to think, mm-hmm. will we be teleporting in 25 years? I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, it's so so crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I came across a term and it's from a very early kind of commentator on the impact that technology has. And I was just looking at it the other day and it's by a French, I call him a philosopher, and Jacques Lull, that's the name. And he wrote a book in 1980, which was called The Technological System. And he said that there's some very identifiable characteristics that technology has. The one that kind of got to me around the area of guesses and bets is one called causal causal, causal progression. And in you know sort of simple terms, what it means is that when you have a capability, you tend to try to push that into a, you try to push that into a very impactful kind of resource that you have, you Uh have a capability. And then you're lining it up, best guesses, who will be eager to take advantage of this capability, okay? And then 
And, you know, and that's where bets come in because the way they show their interest is actually by betting on you. And that feeds you. That's like that feeds the confidence that you have about this particular capability uh, is of being useful. So if I take you back 
Ken Time. Yes. So you know, I've been working with him for some time now. Well, we did a series of books, and one of them is the plantar fasciitis solution. And so we advertised that book on Facebook in a radius around his practice, around his office there. And people raise their hand and say, oh, I want the plantar fasciitis solution. And now he's in conversation with someone who's his ideal prospect, you know, that level of, I just look at applying those things that as we look back and I think about the conversation that you and I had 10 years ago that led to the Breakthrough Blueprint live event was what is the thing that would be fascinating and motivating. Fascinated and motivate you for your whole life. for 25 years. And here we, you know, 10 years later, and I'm still fascinated and motivated by the idea of applying the eight profit activators to all kinds of businesses, you know, it's yeah. fascinating. Well, here's an interesting, uh, you know, interesting thing about predictions. You know, I, you know, I just passed my 79th birthday. So 1944, I was born. Yeah. And uh, I would say that in my entire conscious experience, which started around 1950, we are in the midst of the greatest amount of multidimensional shifting that I've seen in my entire life, you know, and it's, it's taking place on you know, on the economic level, it's the same thing on politics, social, cultural, and geographically, demographically, almost anything that any area by which things are organized to make things, you know, have sense and have direction and everything, all those things are shifting. And I think they're shifting in fairly unpredictable ways. In other words, uh-huh. we don't know what's going to happen. But just to go back to your your process, it seems to me that it really doesn't matter what's happening. There will be individuals for whom they're looking for their a system that identifies at any given time their profit activators. That's exactly. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who it is, what industry they're in. You know where they live now that we right. have Zoom. And and so my sense is that, but the thing about it is that you're, you're not really, you're way past the question. I wonder what individuals in the future will be looking for because they'll be looking for you regardless of what they're doing and what their situation is. Yeah, I mean, that's really... I mean, pro- profit is not a... Brand new notion. <laughs> exactly. What is the, I wonder what the history of a profit, I mean, you mentioned, I have a recollection of you mentioning something about the history of profit making and well, as I a mean, concept. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's got to be, you know, in a certain sense, the, not necessarily the word. I mean, they, they wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have that word because it's, you know, that's peculiar to the language. Yeah, but I mean, I just can't imagine when you have the growth of a human community that there's this thing that somebody knows how to provide something of value that returns them more than they spend to deliver what they're delivering or, you know. I mean, that's at the core uh, of entrepreneurship, right? Well, I think it's at the core of human, I think it's at the core of humanity. And I think it's mm. the core of humanity. And that, mm-hmm. I mean, the, it took a long time to get to a point where you could have what we call a currency, mm-hmm. to have a currency, you know, I mean, where you had that understanding of money and you actually had mm-hmm. a vehicle, a money type vehicle that you could do it. I mean, that's fairly recent. So this, you know, goes mm-hmm. back from what I understand, goes back a couple of Fourth, fourth, I'll say 4,000 years. It was called the shekel. It was created in the Middle East in what's Mesopotamia, okay. so which is in the Iranian, kind of the Iranian, if you're going 
East Iran and, you know, and Pakistan and everything. And, but for a couple thousand years, the grain barley was used as a medium of exchange. I think it was 2,000 years. And that would take us right up to, you know, maybe 3,000 years ago, you know, so 1,000 BC. And I think that's when what's now called Mesopotamia created a coin that had a hundred. It was, you could take bits, they would divide it into sections and you could snap off, it's made out of silver, and you could snap off one of the little pies, you know, so they'd have it, a pie. And then, you know, if you gave them to them, that was called two bits. You know, two bits for oh, really? Okay, yeah, six bits. Yeah, that's for our term, but yeah, and you know, and that was a capability. Then, you know, people didn't have to take a wagon load of barley. The the reason why barley is a main ingredient of beer, and so it, it was a food, but it was also a grain which, even till this day, can grow on soil that has a high salt content. Okay, wheat wheat wouldn't do it, rye wouldn't do it, oats wouldn't do it, but barley did it. So it was a very durable food. You know, you could pay things with the barley, but Peter Zion talks a lot about this in his latest book. You know, the end of the world is just beginning. the beginning. Uh, yeah, and uh, but anyway, but in the background, regardless of what you're using as a medium of exchange. People are looking for profit. That's an interesting thing. I've been loving, I've been calling the, you know, what we've been playing as the cooperation game. You know, we've since we banded together to say, you go do the hunting and I'll do the gathering. And we'll meet back at camp. You know, that, mm-hmm. that level of collaboration is at the core of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. But interesting, I mean, I love those kind of thoughts. So even though no matter where the, we kind of, all the excitement and all the sort of game changer feel is when all the attention as a spotlight goes on one particular element of it, you know, like every, all eyes right now, of course, are on chat GPT and AI. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's where all the attention, the whole, you know, the flock of, you know, descended on, on this, all the attention is on mm-hmm. and But I think it, it's really like that's one piece of the big thing. Like, I don't know where, you know, it's hard to predict. Maybe I'm saying that. Maybe it's not hard to predict, but it feels uncertain how to predict what the 25-year, you know, path of AI and chat GPT is. What the, yeah. Where does that go? Yeah, and you can, you know, you can support your statement there by just going back to when the microchip was just mm. being talked about in the early 70s. Okay. Right. Maybe 75, there was a growing awareness of this thing, which had been developing really since the Second World War. Yeah, you know that there there was a invention where you could process information on mm-hmm. the invention, and then if you go forward from seventy five to two thousand, mm-hmm. you know ninety eight was the cell phone, you know, and mm-hmm. you you already had the internet by then, and you had app, you had apps by then. I think those would have been hard to predict in nineteen seventy five. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know where you went from there. If you look at the evolution, it was calculators and digital watches. I'm right? not the, saying that there wasn't someone. I'm not yeah. saying there, but there wasn't someone or a number of people who weren't predicting. Mm-hmm. Just saying it was making no real Im- impact. Yeah, on right. General exactly. Public, general public's point of view, you know. Yeah. And now, yeah. you know, but e- be, even here with the chat. GPT and the other AI applications, because there's really hundreds of these out there yeah. that are very specific uses of mm-hmm. AI. And that people say, well, the whole world knows about it. And I said, all 8 billion, all 8 billion. What about right. the 
three, what about the three million who don't don't really have steady, reliable electricity? You know, you think uh-huh. they're cha- you think they're chatting about it? You know, you think they're talking right. about this? And I said, and the other thing is that virtually all the news about this and the development and the investment, you know, the explosion of investment that's going into mm-hmm. these hits, all in the English language, you know, yeah. it's, you know, I don't think, for example, I just came back from the UK and very little awareness. It's not being written up and London has a boatload of different kinds of newspapers and everything. I'm seeing anything about AI, you know, and even our day with strategic coach clients last Thursday in London, they brought it up because Evan Ryan was there. So I had him talk about that. And he said, a whole bunch of people got, came up and said, boy, you know, this is taking me kind of by surprise. So these are uh, English speaking people. So my yeah. sense is, you know, that it's fairly specific to, let's say, maybe 50 million 50 million people who uh-huh. are pro- probably English-speaking Americans, English-speaking uh-huh. Americans, you know, and they're, I don't see the Canadian government talking about it, you know, and, you know, uh-huh. the, the, I get the national every day, the national post, and, uh-huh. you know, not much talk about it, not much, you know, a few articles here, a few articles here, uh-huh. but if you go to the Wall Street Journal any day, you know, which you know, there's probably 15 or 20 articles of one kind on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you just see all the. So I think this is, I think this is profoundly unfair. What do you think? What What's the summary of, of Evan's take on this? Like, where's he uniquely thinking? Well, he said is, the technology is meaningless unless you examine the teamwork that you want to improve. He says, just learning how to do ChatGPT without applying it to teamwork probably isn't going to get you anywhere. Yeah, two way. Has he did he share some examples of how it could be an exponential in in teamwork? Well, again, what we're the way I understand it's starting because these are very high on the hierarchy decisions, you know. So, you know, yeah. I'm informed that a decision has been made. I'm talking about my company. Yeah, and I'm not joking. You know, I'm not joking because... No, I get it. You know, the the 12 hours have to be freed up because we want at least 80% of our team members to be on those calls. You know, Mm -hmm. so there's there's a scheduling project that has to go. We have to find, you know, we have to find... He's doing it on Zoom, so not yeah. a question of his availability. I mean, he's the one who offered, you know, this offered in the sense that he said, would you pay me for this? And right. and we said, yeah, we really would. And But one of the big things is we're just going after what people are actually working on. So we're going to have sort of a little research project. It's in the beginning of the program, we ask you to take a quarter, you know, a normal quarter, 13 weeks, and just write down every activity that you do, personal or business. Okay, so we have an inventory and then we put it through a filter where is this an activity where you're incompetent? Are there activities here where you're actually incompetent, but you're kind of forced to do them just out of necessity? And then so incompetent because these aren't doing you any good and they're wearing you up and you're not getting, you're not getting any productivity from it, but you're still doing it, you know, and then, and then it'd be like Dean Jackson, you know, doing all the electrical and plumbing work in his house, you know, and the, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, or Dan Sullivan driving, you know, it could be uh-huh. yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> doing pickups, you know, <laughs> and delivering. And then we got to competent where you're, you know, you're average, you know, you're probably good as a lot of people, but uh, it's a chore, you know, and energy, you know, it's an energy sucking chore. Then you get to excellent and that's where you have real skills. You're above, you know, you're better than other people, but there's no spark for you. You know, there's no spark for you, you know. And if you looked ahead five years and you were still doing just as much of this as you are now, even though 
you produce excellent results, it won't light you up. That that and then there's unique ability, and this is the thing that just totally energizes you. You can do it all day. At the end of the day, right. you go eight, ten hours, and you've got more energy than when you started to the day. And it, you're totally you're so good at this, you don't understand why other people aren't. You know, yeah. you just do this and this. See how this fits together. You know, it's like that. And yeah. no, they don't see it at all. They don't see it at all. Right. And then and like. the other thing is, it's the most valuable thing that people want to pay you for when you're doing this mysterious, mm-hmm. easy thing. And yeah. so, the, and so we're going to do the same thing with the AI project with uh, Evan. We're going to get everybody to inventory. We're just going to mostly look at work, but we'll include, you know, out, you know, outside, outside of work and just say, and he's going to give us, he's going to give us a series of categories, you know, where you just identify activities that are repetitious. They're always required and you always have to do them, but they're repetitious. And yeah. that if there was a machine teammate who could do this in a matter of seconds or minutes, where it takes you hours or days, go after that and introduce the AI solution to this. So that would be one where AI is a teammate. And the goal would be over six weeks to get, you know, probably identify 80% of can quite quickly be taken care of by the AI teammate. Oh, this is great. I mean, that's a really good And I think we'll take... I think we'll no, I think we'll take a big productivity jump because we have we have a goal that we're at a certain number right now, you know, and it's it's not the highest revenues we've had. That was in 2019, but mm-hmm. it's a less than a million away. You know, it's less right. than a million away. So and so we're saying, well, if we went 10 times with that, because we've gone ten times in four, four, in in fifteen years, it was fifteen mm-hmm. years ago when we were one tenth what we were mm-hmm. last year, one tenth of that. So in fifteen mm-hmm. years we went ten times, and but do that without adding more than another twenty individuals to the payroll. Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's the type of thinking. You start to think. uh, yeah, yeah. And then you'll learn all sorts of things, how work mm-hmm. gets set up, how, you know, how does this work come into existence anyway, you know, and and you start developing standards that, you know, we really shouldn't be even bringing work like this into the company, you know, it can be done outside. someone talking about a way of, of thinking, he assessed their team, his whole team with, and gave them bonuses for figuring out how to replace themselves with AI and the new tools kind of thing. Which, yeah, I think the, the languaging is really important. You don't talk about yeah. replacing yourself. No, exactly. You, yeah. You're replacing an activity and yeah. making it automatic that you don't like doing. And nobody really yeah. likes doing that. You know? That wasn't, I think I said it wrong. It's yeah. automate. Yeah, your because role. it's yeah. replacing yourself. So yeah. no. That you're <laughs> going to rally people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's your thousand bucks. No, I guess yeah, I don't yeah. need you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's like. Uh, well, maybe that's the thing. It's how to multiply yourself. That's a better framing. Of yeah. It, right. How to that, multiply yeah, I think that, I mean, yourself. I think that's AI. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, that's what all the scary movies are about. Yeah. 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 And. And, you know, and a lot of the predictions, you know, are about that, you know, there aren't going to be this, there aren't going to be that. And I've had occasion to bring up Cyrus McCormick with mentioning you as the thinker Uh here. And I said, you know, those 16 other people who now didn't have to do backbreaking work were now freed up to do more specialized work in a growing society. And they were Go able to the get factory. Other, yeah. yeah. So, so the delivery of the food, which was required for the entire population from the, you know, the, the harvesting wheat, was yeah. simplified and made possible with just a farmer or a person on, you know, on the seat of the reaper, 
with the mule or with yeah the, the work of 14 men yeah 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 what was the actual number was it 14 uh, yeah 14? 14 men one yeah one man with a reaper could do the work of 14 men yeah see yeah that's an enormous savings but those people mm-hmm. were freed up i mean it's yeah. not like you know they were clutching onto that job dearly you know they They're wanted to stay <laughs> They're taking our jobs, you know, and, uh, you know, I was p- planning to do this every year for the next 30 years, you know, and, 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 you know, is that, that there's this, you know, this thing like humans aren't adaptable, you know, there's a profound belief among people who think about these things from a theoretical standpoint that, you know, if this happens, human beings won't be able to respond to it, you know, and I said, yeah. well, History says you're not paying attention. People do. They immediately jump, you know, yeah. to some uh, new. I, that, that's an interesting framework to really think about. You know, certainly 25 years, the, the runway or whatever, but certainly in the next four years, that's, I think that's why they really refer to, I think what Peter Diamandis kind of, talked about is the near-term foreseeable future, which is, uh, I think it's much easier to make five-year guesses and bets. Kind of but, you know, gonna, there's a yeah. surprising number of the predictions at A360 that were made at our first conference, 2011, that really aren't, you know, like... Uh, VR, you know, for one sur- thing, is less... VR, you know, and, you know, it's almost like People are saying, no, I wasn't pushing that. You know, I was not a member of the Communist Party. You know, I mean, it was almost right. like they're saying, no, uh, you know, it's everything like that. But I remember people standing up there and said, you know, the first one's going to be right under Los Angeles. It's going to go from the northern to the south. It's going to go right from, you know, the airport right to the San Fernando Valley. Right? And mm-hmm. and then they ran into something called property rights. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they said, oh, the city will just override them. And I said, well, you know, it's a constitutional issue. Well, it wouldn't be decided mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. It would be decided mm-hmm. in Congress you know, mm-hmm. or the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but people project a new thing, and all is going to give way to it. It is so important. And, but I said, wouldn't there be a big traffic jam, right, where you try to get on the tunnel and a really big mm-hmm. traffic jam? You know, I said, you know, just because you can visualize something and you can see yourself taking advantage of it doesn't mean that, you know, that Newton's third law will move aside for you. Every action, when it, when every action has uh, opposite and equal reaction. Yeah. But the two that seem to have really gone even further than was predicted were AI, which was. I think I was surprised by the chat GPT yeah. thing because yeah. I didn't know there was something that could be that easy for individuals. I knew that mm-hmm. you know, large organizations were using it and everything else, but that, that kind of surprised me. And that, the other thing is regenerative medicine and, and you know, the using our own cells, stem cells, to repair things and to yeah. cure things. And turning yeah. skin cells into any other kind of cell. That to me, that's I mean, like cracking. Of, yeah, that's like you know being able to ca- capture and channel and direct electricity. That seems to me to right. be a major, really major, uh, major thing. But there's the, the AI combined with that. Uh, yeah, AI that translated where you they can literally take the cell signals, you know, the signals from the body they can actually because mm-hmm. we have an electric impulse and they can read uh, they can duplicate this electronically and then mm-hmm. test those electronic signals as if they were actually cells in the body yeah and they can do uh, 10,000 tests in the time that a manual test takes right and i said that's super and i think that's what's going to come like i think we're going to end up in a centaur situation like the chest masters in that the biggest winners of the AI kind of advance are not the one it's not going to be just AI on its own it's going to be AI paired with a you know with an individual it's a top flight individual powered with 
AI that's going to make the biggest impact. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like the, my next quarterly book is called Training Technology Like a Good Dog. Mm. And, and I say, you know, a tough guy with a tough dog will beat another tough guy who doesn't Ah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and rather than just, yeah, or just the dog alone, you know? Yeah, that's the yeah. truth. And the dog will be the, the one. Dog. The dog will yeah. The dog, the dog will be the one who announces the fight. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I realized yeah. we we left we left last week on a bit of a cliffhanger with the working genius thing. I wondered if you had been able to do your working genius. Yeah, it's really good. It put me in a bind because I have other people sign me. I went to and it's Patrick. Le- Lindsay, uh, yeah, I mean, he's very well read around our office regarding okay. teamwork and everything like that. So I know who it is now, yeah. But I did okay. say I was going to do it that night, but Becca, who does all this stuff for me, said that she would sign me on when we got back from London. She was okay. busy with a lot of things. And uh, it's a project. It's a project. Okay, and no it'll, problem. It'll be done this week, but... You know, Good. And we can I, talk about it. I, I found, you know, I found the website. I found the website kind of intriguing. Yeah. It seems like another filter that we can use for, along with Colby and the Strength Finder oh, and I Print. Oh, I think it's fantastic. In that, yeah, I would put it in. I would put it right up there with Colby in terms mm-hmm. like Colby's most what is very useful, and I think mm-hmm. that. If I were to rank the four of them, I'd put that working gene right up there Number two. at the top. More useful than yeah. just Strength Finder and more useful yeah. than Print. Yeah, They're okay. all a big... I don't think you can ever have too much self-awareness, but I think having the, you know, I think usable team mm-hmm. dynamic awareness is, is great. James Drage sent me over... I had my team do it and he sent me a you know they have charts that show where your team genius is in terms of team members like if you're looking to put together a project and you need a I guess the ideal is that you have someone in each of the components the wonder invention discernment galvanizing enablement and tenacity that you've got someone who's a genius at that involved in that process Yeah, the, you know, the head of that division of it. So it's really mm-hmm. neat to see the dynamics of how people can work together, you know? Yeah. So uh, that, well, anyway, good, uh, uh, thing. yeah. Yeah. So in, in, anyway, work proceeds, you know, and fly me, you know, 3000 miles away and my priority list for the day changes. I got it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. London um, is the greatest walking city that I've ever. Oh man, you know one of my favorite memories is our that when we ended up in London at the same time and we spent yeah, hours we went to, wandering around. Hike. Yeah, we took that long hike out to that bookstore. Yeah, and then exactly. we and then we made our way back to a favorite restaurant of ours, One Greek yeah. Street. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah, that London's perfect for that. I mean, that was yeah, and it was it was dry and sunny, kind of, kind yeah. of the cool side, but sunny. But it, there was no perfect rain during the walking. week, which is yeah. 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 But anyway, I'm going to inquire about that. And I've got a real project now with that in in advance of starting the AI Azure Teammate program, we should have all the staff actually do this working genius exercise. I think that would and be I a nice wonder, filter. That's a really interesting thing is that's a nice framework to think, how can AI help? With- how can we free up your working genius? Yeah, right. Exactly. That's an interesting, uh, yeah. that's a really interesting combination. It's a triple play. Your unique ability. Well, you can work at hey, it's kind working of, genius. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You you could add the triple play to it, so we got three mm-hmm. things. You got AI as a teammate, working genius, and the triple play. I think that would be yeah. a nice trifecta. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's all thinking about your thinking. I came yeah. up with a new term, Dan. I'll plant the seed. 
because I know we're coming up at the top of the hour here. It went so fast this time. It always does, but this one in particular. You know, we've been talking about, and I've been thinking about, the mainland and Cloudlandia. But what mm-hmm. I really discovered is this, I was rereading Thinking About Your Thinking, the small book. We were, yeah. you know, we recently had our flood and all the, that required us moving things around. And I found a copy of my your small book, The Thinking About Your Thinking. And I thought that, you know, there's a third element of this that I've been calling Deanlandia, which is the inner world of thinking about my thinking and mm. spending time there as a destination. And something you said, it, you know, you said it kind of a couple of years ago, whenever you went on, you know, going off TV and stuff, the thing mm-hmm. that stuck out at me. I don't know exactly how you said it, but you basically said, I realized that what's going on in my own mind is far more interesting and valuable <laughs> than anything going on in that, on that screen, in that box. Yeah. And yeah. how did you articulate, what was the thought behind that? Because that, that, it stuck with me for all these years when you said that. Yeah, well, I think you do that too. I mean, that both of us, fairly young in life, I think, developed the ability to amuse ourselves and entertain ourselves and educate ourselves without needing too much outside help. And that, and, you know, and, and we've stuck with that a lot, you know, way beyond what most people would say, well, I used to have interesting times when I had time, you know, where I would just think mm-hmm. about things and everything else. Yeah. But then, of course, you know, I had to go to school and then I had to go out and get a job. Right. We started a, started a family. And, of course, I haven't done any kind of thinking like that. And I said, yeah, I got, you know, on a path when I was you know, somewhere around eight years old where this was way more interesting than anything mm-hmm. that I was encountering. And the other thing I noticed is that I was interacting with adults and they didn't seem yeah. to do this. They didn't seem to do right. this because when I would bring up, you know, what was going on when they were eight years old and they were born yeah. in you know, 1910 or something, I said, wow, wow. And they said, geez, I haven't thought about this. So, you know, he says, you're right. getting me to think about things that I haven't thought about. And then afterwards, they would comment to my mother when they met her, you know, Dan asks questions and they, it makes me remember things that I haven't really remembered. And I said, well, right. you know, and I said, yeah. if that had happened to me, I would have been thinking about it. You know? Right. I mean, right, if right. that was happening in the world, happening in the world at that time, boy, I'd yeah. be all over it, you know, and everything mm-hmm. like that. And it struck me that people weren't really reflecting on how they were thinking about their experiences. They were reflecting on the experience, but they weren't reflecting yeah. on how they were thinking about the, the experience. And so, yeah. and that didn't bother me. And because I always like having secret unfair advantages. Love that. I've been thinking you do about too. the, oh, I really do. Well, yeah. I've been monitoring and thinking now about, you know, my, my constant, you know, my present thought is less, screen time, more Dean time. But that's yeah. really the thing. Is that the more I think about just even putting the screen down and just going inside and playing around in Dean land is a, there's a lot more beneficial stuff going on in Dean land yeah, than the other. You know, you know who were really the organization that was, that we both had extensive experience with that was really on to this way back, you know, 40, 50 years ago. The Four Seasons Hotel. Yeah. And they have a motto about their company that we systematize the predictable and so that we can humanize the exceptional. Yeah. And that seems to describe a general principle that would take advantage of any new technology which allowed you to systematize the predictable, you know, to free up people so that they could be exceptionally human mm-hmm. in any situation. And I think that's what we want to do. I mean, I think that's a, uh, that isn't just a 
organizational strategy. I think that's uh, that could be, you know, in the 21st century, that could be a general human aspiration. You know, I want to get freedom mm-hmm. from doing machine-like work. I don't want to mm-hmm. do machine-like work. You know, right? I don't want to. Right. I don't want. I don't want to be given tasks where I'm expected to be machine-like. I, I'm just not going for that anymore. Right. I love it. Yeah. Well, I noticed. So I noticed next week is says no Dan podcast on my calendar. That's right. Are That's you, right. Because you're traveling, we're flying on Sunday to Chicago. So okay. Yeah. So. We have, you know, we have the first in-person free zone that week, you know, on, on Thursday. Okay. And, but we're flying in and we, you know, we have to see the team and there's all sorts yeah. of things. And I have all yeah, yeah. sorts of podcasts there. But the big thing is that the one thing that's not predictable is how people are going to think about the next 25 years. You know, it's yeah. not really predictable because... Right. You know, each person's kind of responsible for using their own brain to figure out things, yeah. you know. Yeah. And my sense is that making predictions 25 years from now based on present priorities and that, I think, doesn't give you much insight. I think it gives you directional, you know, in some way. But it certainly, I mean, to know, it, it gives you comfort when you're starting to look at, well, what do we know that's going to be true 25 years from now? You know, that's really yeah. the thing. Men are still going to be shaving. That's exactly the Warren Buffett model, right? That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Uh, and yeah. mainland things. And yeah. Yeah. People are still going to be eating. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Infinitely there's. Definitely entertaining. Yeah. What do all people do, you know, around the planet? Well, not everybody shaves, you know, but right. uh, yeah. So the, but given the market that you're after, you know, we know, I do know alcohol is going to play a big part of it. And other drugs are going to play a big <laughs> part of it. You know, the, they, funny. one of the signs that an ancient gathering of humans was actually human is pottery. So they'll mm. find shards. Pottery shards. And yeah. when they examine the shards, do you know what they always find on the shards? Alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> Great. Exactly. Yes. That's so funny. Yeah. Why did, humans cre- why did humans create pottery? Well, yeah. to, you know, to have something they could make the alcohol in and save the, the alcohol. Mi- They're mushroom brews. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean... They didn't just do this to have pottery. They did it so right. they can they could make drinking alcohol a little bit more predictable. Oh, that's so funny! I love Alrighty. It. Okay, Dan. Well, I will. I'll be here in two weeks. Yeah, and we'll be back. Yeah, in two weeks. So we're going to see Jeff Madoff's play on the end of the end of next week. Okay. So it opened with its first preview last night. So they have oh, a week of great. previews. They have a week of previews where they're just, you know, making a scene shifts and making mm-hmm. adjustments to the script and, you know, and everything else. And they have about five or six of these. And people, they have audiences for them. That's the other thing is that audiences can come in and oh, see it okay. and everything else. And then they have two last ones where they're locked down. Okay, so mm-hmm. the, all the changes have been made. And then the last two of the previews is that it's locked down now. This is the play. And mm-hmm. then they have opening night, which is the 14th, and we're going on the 16th. Oh, very nice. That's so great. Yeah. Man. All right. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dean. Bye. Thanks. Bye.